Welcome back to the second episode here of the Road to the Oscars with Movie Babble. It's uh, me, Brennan, hosting uh, again, and I'm here with Nick. How's it going today? So many awards, so little time. How's it going, Brennan? <laughs> it's going great. Um, so last week, we just to recap, we touched on the Golden Globe nominations, a little bit of controversy there with Jared Leto and, and music doing well. Um we saw a promising young woman do a lot better than expected, and we talked about how the Globes are just overall kind of weird. Um, and then the SAG, the SAG uh, nominations came out as well. A few themes seem to stay back to back, which is Jared Leto getting into both of those award shows, which is pretty crazy. But I did give my theory as to why I think that won't happen at the Oscars, but who knows? Um, but this week we have some interesting stuff. So we got the Critics' Choice. Uh, nominations that got released. I'm always very excited to see those. Um, and then also the Oscars unveiled their shortlists for a few of those technical categories and some other categories as well. Um, and we'll definitely get into that because there's some interesting stuff to talk about. Um, firstly, uh, did you catch up with any of these uh, movies over the last week that were that we were talking about that could be players? I've seen the little things and it's fine. That's that's my take. That's all I have to say about the little things. Uh, no, it's it's it is perfectly fine. But I think it's hilarious watching that movie and seeing the love for Jared Leto because he I can't tell if he is doing a parody of a serial killer in one of these movies, but it's kind of hilarious what he's doing in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's one scene where they're like they've detained him and like they're showing him pictures of like dead girls that he supposedly killed. And he looks at one picture and he says, holy guacamole. And it was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's so funny. Uh, um, and he's, we- he's wearing like this fake nose the whole time. I couldn't stop staring at it. And it looks like he put like contacts in to make his eyes darker. Um, very strange. Very Jared Leto-y. Um, so it's hilarious to kind of get the context for that. And it seems see like why people like this movie. Yeah. So I've been kind of reading a little and I haven't seen it yet, but it's great that you have so you can give some insight, but it seems like one of those types of performances that they do a lot of weird things and that's why it attracts award shows. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's, I feel like that's been like a running thing for years with awards because I mean, we'll get into it a little bit, but um, it's interesting seeing it's a good example here is first cow, which actually got a lot of awards from critics choice, which was cool to see, but nothing in like acting as far as I can tell, which and that movie is very, um, very somber. It's very subtle. So um, even Critics' Choice, but all these awards bodies seem to always kind of gauge. Like they like their their big bombastic performances or they like – I mean that's also why the best actor has always was like been going to someone who's playing some famous person you know for the past, I don't know, 20 years. It's like 15 out of 20 or something nuts because yeah. it's easier to be able to – It's tough. I feel like it's tougher to like – track acting but when you can compare it to like oh this this person did a good impression of uh freddie mercury then it just makes it easier you know so um but yeah it's so it's like almost jared leto um parroting himself like all of his creepy performances it's uh it's it's very weird (laughs) yeah it's uh it's very jared leto it sounds like Uh, i will check it out at some point but i did actually watch first cow this past week i forgot about that actually um I enjoyed that film. That was pretty delightful. Um, but yeah, it was great to see that get in here. I figured it would. I think it was one of those more um, indie films that would probably only really get recognized here at the Critics' Choice. I know some people were saying this thing could get a screenplay on at the Oscars, but I just I find it to be too small. Um, 
the two indie movies that seem to be the ones that a lot of people are trying to root for this year that are just kind of really small and haven't broken through our uh, first cow and never rarely, uh, sometimes always. I think if any of the two break into the screenplay at the Oscars, it's probably never rarely, sometimes always. Um, I don't know if you've, you've seen that at all. I thought that was quite a good movie. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Uh, and I agree, too. I think that one has the inside track between those two to get a few more nominations. But it's always weird. I feel like the the Academy especially uses like either original screenplay or best adapted screenplay. It's kind of like a token award for these really interest, interesting movies that aren't they don't show up anywhere else in the like any other categories. But they're like, hey, first cow, we see you. We'll give you screenplay, but you won't win. <laughs> we'll give it to like Trial of the Chicago 7. Or yeah, something like and, that. That's always last the case. year. Yeah, last year we saw a great example that was Knives Out getting a screenplay on. I think that was something that was like a great pat on the back. I think everyone loved to see it. It was a great. Yeah, it was never going to win though. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, so that was its only nomination. And even a couple of years ago, just because I, I researched this movie a bit because I watched it yesterday, but 20th Century Women, uh, I think it only got a sole screenplay nom as well. Uh, that's another great movie from 2016. Uh, but yeah, let's get into this here. So we'll jump into the best picture category first. So there are 10 here, and I think there's a chance that, with the exception of maybe one, uh, that we can discuss once I read through this 10, this could be our best picture lineup at the Oscars. I think it looks pretty likely. Um, so I'll run through that now. We got Defy Bloods, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Minari, News of the World, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. So those are the 10 Best Picture nominees from the Critics' Choice. The big omission for me, I think, is um, The Father, which we'll probably see at the Oscars, but didn't end up here. Um, We know we'll see it at the BAFTAs. It's definitely a very British movie. It's going to show up there a bunch. But yeah, this is a pretty solid 10, in my opinion. If someone predicted this 10, I wouldn't call them a fool. I'm surprised the one that caught my eye was no Judas and the Black Messiah, which I was really I, uh, that one was kind of stunning to me, especially for the critics choice. But um, I mean, as we're recording this, the movie just dropped on HBO Max yesterday. So my guess is that the wave for Judas and the Black Messiah is yet to come. And I think we're I don't I, maybe we'll, we won't be able to predict how well it does in Oscars nominations because so, so many of these awards dropped even before it was released so we can't really gauge it there but i do think that that movie will pick up steam later on yeah. but um it, uh, kinda, it definitely cool adds. sound of metal in here but yeah, yeah sorry. i agree i agree i think uh that's a great one to see sound of metal in here but you're right it does kind of add to how weird this year is judas is like it comes out after these awards uh after these nominations are released so we really don't know the full extent to its impact another film here that a lot of people were predicting would go on. And last minute I put it on was Soul. A lot of people thought critics, critics are huge on Soul, right? I thought maybe it'd sneak in. Um, I remember seeing two people show their ballots on Twitter the day before the nominations were coming out. I don't think you're allowed to do that, but they did it. And one of them was Grace Randolph. And another one was saying, you know what? <laughs> another one, another person was saying Grace Randolph did it, so I'll do it. So I saw their ballots and both of them put Soul in their best picture choice. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to change my predictions and put Soul in, but it didn't make it. So that was a little bit of a surprise for me. The one here that is probably like, wow, is News of the World. Um, I don't know if that's a, a huge like critical darling. Maybe there are some critics in there that like this and it got it into the top 10. 
Uh, but that's a movie that I would see landing at the Oscars, but missing here. It ended up doing quite well at these at this uh, nomination slate. We'll read it a little bit more in a second. But um, I've read that the Critics' Choice, oftentimes, they like to predict what might come at the Oscars more than they like to choose the movies they love the most. There's a balance of it, but there definitely are some people in there that want to be like, yeah, we called it first. And maybe that's what News of the World is here. Yeah, um, maybe we shouldn't take anything from Grace Randolph, but that's another conversation <laughs> for another day. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is interesting to see News of the World. Kind of, it's in here a lot because you have Tom Hanks and Best Actor as well, and Helena Zangle is in there too, and it has a few other things. I, I really do think this is going to be the boomer movie that make that becomes the Best Picture nom. I think this is the tenth spot that it won't win anything, but it'll get a few nominations. I'm thinking of like your Vice or your Ford v Ferrari. Just it's one of those movies that's geared towards older voters that I think they'll they really like, but everyone else thinks is fine. So <laughs> I think that's I could see this if this if we're getting ten best picture nominees. Um, I think that could, this one could be. Yeah, I agree. I 100 percent agree. I think you are 100 percent right there that this is definitely going to be that boomer movie. Um, I, I think also. With this movie, I think Trial of Chicago 7 fits into that boomer category as well, but maybe... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but maybe it blends, or maybe it kind of like meshes with some others a little bit more than this movie does, but News of the World definitely falls into that. Um, So those are our 10. I think The Father gets in at the Oscars. I think it's a really good movie. Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman. I think it's a great... uh, There's a great driving force of the film, and I I think it's going to get so many BAFTAs that it'll surge into the Oscars. I don't know if it'll get a ton at the Oscars, but it'll definitely get a few. So we go to the best actor category here. I wouldn't call it a controversy, but they nominated eight people. Uh, Last year they did seven, which I thought was a bit much. Um, The year before that they did six. The year before that they did seven, so they're always around six, seven. They went for eight this time. It's like they don't want to snub anyone. And uh, it's a crazy eight, but Ben Affleck made it in for the way back. Good for him. Uh... Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Tom Hanks for News of the World, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Delroy Lindo gets in for The Five Bloods, he definitely needed that, and then Gary Oldman for Mank and Stephen Young for Minari. So that's your eight. What's your take on them putting in eight? Yeah, it feels a little uh, participation trophy-ish a little bit, so... um... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fan. I, I like six or seven, whatever. The Baftas is doing six this year. I don't I don't mind doing a little extra, but eight just seems like a little much to me. But mm-hmm. um, this is an interesting list. It does it does feel like this is probably the top eight or the consensus eight. Uh, yeah, we've kind of been seeing not Tom Hanks necessarily, but it seems like all of these have been running like all these guys have been running in no particular order as, as, as the top of the top here. So. Um, I think that just kind of solidifies them as the group and then basically no one else has a shot pretty much is my <laughs> guess. But um, yeah, a lot of familiar names here. I'm happy to see Delroy Lindo in here. Um, I still think if he doesn't get nominated and doesn't win, I don't really know what we're doing with the Oscars this year. That's just me. But um, Or Steven Young. I, I ride for Minari hard. But um, yeah, this seems like this is the list of guys that we will be talking about for next few months or so mm-hmm. and the other one i'd throw in is to hear uh, raheem there he got into the globes he'd probably be That's the other true. one you could you could yeah. throw in on here but yeah th- this is definitely it and i think as we spoke about last week there there seems to be a core four there seems to be riz ahmed chadwick boseman anthony hopkins and gary oldman 
I wonder if Gary Oldman holds on and goes all the way. I do wonder about that, but that battle for the fifth slot is going to be interesting. And I, I do think Minari got 10 nominations here at the Critics' Choice. It did great at SAG. It's not even out yet. I think when it does come out, you might see a huge outpouring for this movie. I think it I think it drops this weekend, right? Or I guess it was the same with Judas Black Messiah, so it might be out mm-hmm. already. I yeah, think. it's it's uh, um, it's got a theaters release this weekend and then on demand on the twenty sixth. Okay. So. Yeah. So but yeah, we have been seeing more and more Minari love. And also, yeah, as you said, no one has really seen this outside of voting bodies. So my guess is that Stephen Yun might be a lock, maybe. Possibly, I hope so, because he's amazing in it in Minari. But um, I think we're we're going this way. I think people really, really love that movie, and I think we're going to see it all over the place in other acting and other, basically every other category that it can be nominated in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can you can kind of start to see the balls rolling. I mean, it didn't do too much at the Golden Globes, but they seem to kind of corner it off in the uh, foreign language film category. Then at the SAGs, getting an actor nom, supporting actress nom, a Sorry, ensemble nom as well. That was a great look for them at the SAGs. And then here, the second most nomination. So that's our eight for the actor. Uh, best actress, I think. A lot of it is more the same. It's kind of our same core four in here as we spoke about last week. Viola Davis, Vanessa Kirby, Frances McDormand, Carrie Mulligan, they're in. But that battle for that fifth spot, fifth spot at the Oscars is going to be very interesting. Uh, so the other three they nominated because they did seven. In addition to those four, Andre Day for the United States versus Billie Holiday, Sidney Flanagan for Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, and Zendaya for Malcolm and Marie. Um, what's your take on on this seven? Um, I hope it's not Zendaya. That's not that's not a slight towards her. I love her, but I just don't want to have to talk about Malcolm and Marie more than I have to. <laughs> so, um, but other than that. Um, I, I kind of like this list a little bit. I think it's all good performances. I mean, no one's seen the United States versus Billy Holiday, so I guess I'll take their word for it there. But I, I'm hoping the best for Sydney Flanagan. She's terrific in that movie, and I just I think she's just she's so great. But um, yeah, this is kind of this is the really much the core four that you were talking about. It seems like they're kind of moving towards locks as well. Yeah, the battle for fifth is interesting. I think. Who did you talk about last week? You talked about Rosamund Pike for I Care A Lot. I think when we see that movie drop next week on Netflix, that could soar and she could be the one now battling for fifth. But since it is sort of still sight unseen for her and a lot of people haven't seen that yet, but I do probably think she'll get into the discussions. I think the three battling it out for the number five spot, you got to look at Andre Day. Um, I, I don't know if Zendaya is really on the bubble there, but Amy Adams is definitely in there after that SAG nomination. No, and no. <laughs> I don't think she'll be the fifth. I really don't, but I do think she has to be in the conversation. Um, but yeah, I think we do have to look out for Roseman Pike next week for I Care A Lot, which I do expect will will make a splash, especially Netflix. That I think the Netflix machine is probably the best for, for award season in terms of just getting out there. Everybody has a Netflix account. Um, they just passed 200 million subscribers, I believe, pretty recently. Uh, so, so I mean, it, it, it's accessible. Everyone's everyone has Netflix, and I think uh, she's she's definitely gonna gonna soar next week whenever that movie comes out. 
It is weird because I agree with you, but I feel like the movie hasn't been screened ahead of time for a lot of people, which is a little bizarre. But it seems like people like it. There are whispers that it's a good movie <laughs> from the 10 people who have actually seen it. So I think it's a little weird that they haven't put out their early screeners for it, um, like their other movies and things like that. But um, yeah, I think she is definitely one to watch. Um I hope she gets in over Zendaya. That's just <laughs> that's just that's just me. I just don't like Malcolm and Murray. I love Zendaya, but I just don't want to talk about that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with seven nominees, I guess it makes sense that they threw her in there. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, so we go to supporting actor now. Uh, a lot of the a lot of similar faces, but finally Paul Racy gets in for Sound of Metal, so he's there. I heard some people uh, saying that maybe there would be a since there has been an uproar for him and for Delroy Lindo more so, maybe that'll put them on people's radars a little bit more. I think that may have a little bit of an effect going into the next few weeks. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Bill Murray on The Rocks, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas, Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of Chicago 7, and then Chadwick Boseman for The Five Bloods. So they did six here for this category. It seems like a lot of familiar faces. Um, it's looking like, I think, Daniel Kaluuya, Leslie Odom Jr., and Sasha Baron Cohen are the three locks for this category at the Oscars. Who do you think is running in sixth here? Because my bet would be on Bill Murray. Um, yeah, I think I agree. I th- I do think I agree. I don't know. Like uh, personally, I, lo- I I adore Sound of Metal. I think it's much better than On the Rocks. I don't mind On the Rocks, and I like Bill Murray's performance in it. Um, but I'm 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 really torn on that. I'm not too sure who's going to land here and, and who is running six uh, at the critics choice for sure. I think Paul Racy's definitely higher, but I'm overall, I think if you look at these six and you try to group them into the Oscar bubble, it's probably Bill Murray at six. I think you're right. Um, Amazon is, is a big studio. They can push sound to metal. I think a lot of people will be able to see sound to metal uh, as it is on Amazon prime. But uh, yeah, th- I think you're right. Bill Murray's probably running six. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a lot of it is because people just like Sound of Metal way more. I think Bill Murray's fine and on the rocks. I think he's enjoyable, I guess. He's playing that old Bill Murray kind of guy part. It's kind of just let him be let him be funny. But I feel like everyone is so indifferent towards On the Rocks. Like everyone everyone kind of just shrugged at that movie that I feel like there's just not really any passion behind that awards like awards push for him. I don't I'm not I don't know. I mean, people really love Bill Murray, so who knows but um i feel like his like those chances are Mm -hmm. i agree i agree for sure um so i'll move to supporting actress here and i do want to have a discussion about this one because i think it's honestly it's for me it's not the strongest of categories this year i think the lead actress category is one of the stronger categories and, and the strongest that category has been for years but supporting actress um, for me, it's it's not the strongest category, but we will go through it. So Maria Bakalova gets in for Borat. Um, Ellen Bernstein gets in here for Pieces of a Woman, finally. Glenn Close does get in here. I was kind of teetering on the fence there. Amy Adams, I didn't think would get in. This movie just isn't a hit with critics, but it is. But Glenn Close just seems to be stronger. So she's three for three now with all three big uh, award shows. So she gets in. Olivia Coleman gets in for The Father. Uh, Amanda Seyfried gets in for Mank. And then Yao Yung John for Minari. She seems like she could be a dark horse to win this award at the Oscars, especially, I mean, we'll see how Minari performs, but she seems like my dark horse. Um, 
but I'm actually, uh, if I had to predict today, I'd predict Glenn Close to win the Oscar. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm being real. I just think, I, I don't think Maria Bakalova is, uh, I, I don't think the Oscars will award that performance. I think they'll nominate that performance, but I don't think they'll award that performance. Ellen Bernstein, I don't know if she has enough enough drive and enough behind her to get in there. This is the first time we've seen her really pop up. Um, Olivia Coleman, everyone's saying she's like, I, I'm seeing a lot of people now say that she's the new favorite because Amanda Seyfried uh, missed the sags, but Olivia Coleman for me, uh, she doesn't do enough in the father. It's really an Anthony Hopkins vehicle. She's really good in it, but all these people saying that haven't seen it yet. And I'm saying, I mean, when you see it, you're just going to see that there's, there's really not enough in that performance to get her across the line, in my opinion. Um, and then we go down Amanda Seyfried. She's probably going to get on with the Oscars, but missing that seg probably hurts. So I do think Glenn Close, for me, is probably who I'd predict to win right now, with Yao Yung Jung being our number two. Um, yeah, I, my, just maybe because I just, it would make my skin crawl to watch Hillbilly L. Win anything, even though I love going close. It's uh, it's Yunya Jung for Minari wins. I would love to see that. I think there is like a weird. If you read the tea leaves, I feel like everyone loves her in that movie. Um, she was nominated at the SAGs, I believe. Uh, I feel like she's popped up in every single awards voting. I mean, she was really beloved for my DC Critics uh, Awards as well. Um, I have the sneaking suspicion like this could be the big. Um, the big steal of the night is her is her winning it. That's that's what I'm thinking. I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping at least. I just don't want to see Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, the thing that I'm also going to consider is how Hillbilly Elegy does with the makeup category. Because for me, if I had to predict what they'll get nominated for the Oscars, I see Glenn Close and I see hair and makeup because they did put a lot into Glenn Close in this movie. I think. I think they did. I wouldn't say they transformed Glenn Close, but they certainly did a lot with her face and a lot with her appearance. Um, The Oscars have kind of been trending the last few years away from sweeps and into every movie is going to get a little bit of love. Um, We've been seeing the last few years, there are some movies that that pick up a a good amount of nominations, like Parasite last year kind of ran the table. They won four. But at the same time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood got to win an award. Uh, Little Women won an award. Joker won an award. Um... Just going down the line, 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, all these big contenders got to take home at least a little bit of hardware. So I I think I look at the hair and makeup category. I don't know who's the favorite there or or what movie will will be strong. But if they give Hillbilly Elegy that, Glenn Close probably won't win because it'll be kind of like Vice. I don't know if you remember the Vice, but they gave gave Vice the hair and makeup, and that was kind of like everyone was applauding what they did with with, uh, – Christian Bale as Dick Cheney and he didn't go on to win, right? It went on to be Rami Malek. But I think a similar thing could play out here where it's more of like they're awarding this to like for how her character looked, you know, but they won't give her the win. However, at this point in time, I think it is between her and uh, Yang Yung Jung. We'll see though. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just, the hillbillyology was just, it was like the textbook. Let's uglify a really famous actress to like, get her her oscar so i just kind of <laughs> dig the hair and makeup for that as well um yeah but i i don't really know who else would win that my guess is probably mank is the biggest contender in hair and makeup but um i think you're right there i feel like that one's kind of wide open mm-hmm. um i don't know i just don't want it to happen <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, one thing they have here is uh, uh, best young actor actress category, and that's kind of where a lot of people are saying, "Oh, Helena Zengel didn't land in the supporting actress uh, for News of the World as she had in the other ones, but she landed in there for the young actor actress." Also, Alan Kim from Minari is that uh, is that the little boy from the trailers? I, yeah, he's unbelievable in that movie. Yeah. he's so good. Yeah, and then also in there was Talia Ryder from Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, um, the person who tagged along with. Uh, Sydney Flanagan's character. I thought she was really good. Uh, so we'll gloss over that one there. But the acting ensemble category, it kind of follows the SAGs, right? You have Five Bloods, you have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, you have Minari, you have One Night Miami, you have Trial, but then they added in Judas and the Black Messiah here. So they land in there with the acting ensemble. I think all these movies are kind of obvious to land in an ensemble category. Nothing really too much to speak on there. But the director category... Um, is interesting to me there they they really didn't stray too far away from what the other bodies have done other than nominate more people right they didn't go with five they went with seven here so lee isaac chung gets in for minari which is great uh emerald fennel gets in for promising young woman david fincher for max spike lee for the five bloods gets in regina king for one night miami aaron sorkin for trial and then chloe zhao for nomadland so you kind of have the regulars plus lee isaac chung and plus spike lee and Lee Isaac Chung, as we said, I mean, we have to see what happens with Minari, but he could springboard as well. Yeah, and it's a really good directing performance from him. And I think the Minari train, I think Minari and Judas are going to be the two movies that are really get going here in the next few weeks. So we could see even like more awards with like the DJs and all the things that come up later on. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think my gut is and i'm really turning into a minari homer over these road to oscars podcasts but my bet is that lee isaac chung slips in there is my guess um and i would be surprised i'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen much for shaka king yet as well for judas but i think he has a shot um because i feel like spike lee is while i would love to see that nominate oscar nomination for him i feel like he hasn't been getting a crazy amount of love i mean we had the whole golden globes fiasco where his kids were like part of the award ceremony and they just didn't vote for him but um i feel like he's gonna slip away a little bit my guess is that regina king they're gonna ding her for this movie kind of being a play as a movie where they'll be like oh it's not it's she didn't do enough directing like i don't know like it'll be something stupid where she doesn't get directed nominated even though i think she does a really good job in the movie but um I think that leaves room for Lee Isaac trying to get there. I feel like, I don't know, it's a pretty stacked category. I feel like there could be a lot of shakeup here, though, in the weeks to come. Yeah, and the three that I'd say are locks, uh, Chloe Zhao, um, Aaron Sorkin, and David Fincher. I feel like those are the three I agree. We, we'd pencil in. Those are the three you've seen everywhere so far. I mean, Regina King has been everywhere as well, but we'll see if that kind of holds on. Um, the thing about The Five Bloods, too, blanked at the Golden Globes, but got in for ensemble at the SAGs. Could it springboard back into the race? Who knows? I think we'll have to watch out for like the Directors Guild Awards and the Producing Guild Awards to see if it sneaks in there. But at the moment, I do think it's kind of slow. I don't know if it'll pick up. But yeah, you're right. This is a really stacked category and a really good category, in my opinion. I, I really do enjoy this. And and usually every year, they get. I think a lot of the bodies get the directing categories pretty right. If I'm not mistaken, I go back to 2018. Peter Farley, he didn't get nominated for Best Director of the Oscars. I don't think. I, I'm not 100% I don't think sure. So. No, I don't think so. Yeah, kind of like an Argo scenario where they won, but Ben Affleck didn't get 
nominated the Oscars for Best Director. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I, I respect Best Director categories. I think most bodies do it mostly well. I think last year was a huge uh, kind of flop throwing in, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, but you know, Mr. Joker, the Hangover Man. <laughs> Todd Phillips. <laughs> Todd Phillips. I think putting him in there was a little bit of a... Uh, Especially when Greta Gerwig was right there, and I think that she directed uh, Little Women masterfully, uh, and and Joker really, I think anyone could have done that. Uh, putting him in last year was a big mistake, but I usually like what bodies do with the directing categories. But yeah, so this is our director category here at the Critics' Choice. Now move to the screenplays because I haven't really been keeping up too much about screenplays this year, um, or, or what side's stronger. Um, but just going through the best original, we have Minari, Promising Young Woman. Mank, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, Sound of Metal, and then Trial. So that's six. Which one do you think would get bumped off at the Oscars? Say these are the six. Which one do you think's going? Um, my gut says Eliza Hittman, and that's not an indictment of her because I think the script the script is terrific in that movie. I just think it's it's the movie's too naturalistic. I think it's tough for some vote, for, uh, voting bodies to get really into it, so that might be the reason it gets... Um, gets the axe here but because i do think sound of metal my gut says that sound of metal at the oscars isn't particularly well um nominated across the board but it'll, i think it'll be kind of what we were talking before about it, it being a consolation prize where they're like we see what you did in this movie so here's your be- best original screenplay nomination but you won't win but like here here you go here's your here's your nomination so um I think this could be the five other than Eliza Hitman. Cause I feel like Jack Fincher, we have the big, um, we, we have all of the, Oh, he's, his Jack Fincher died so many years ago. This is David, um, kind of just using his work. There's a, there's a huge, um, there's, there's so many pieces you can write about that. And there's, I think that there's a good wave there. Um, Aaron Sorkin, I feel like everyone loves trial of the Chicago sevens that's in there. So, um, and I think everyone final is I think people really appreciate that screenplay and it's really inventive. So I hope that one gets in. Um, but yeah, I think that's other than Hitman, I think that's the five. Mm-hmm. I agree. I do agree. I think we could see the same scenario happen with kind of like kind of a consolation, giving it to never really sometimes always giving it to Eliza Hitman there. But I think it's more likely that sound of metal gets into the screenplay category at the Oscars. We'll see what happens with it in the sound category. Because if I was uh, a voter, I'd vote for Sound of Metal for Best Sound. Um, and it's a unique year as well, because this is the first year that the Academy Awards will combine mixing and editing. So we'll just have one Best Sound category, like the BAFTAs always have done. Um, that's my pick for that category, personally, Sound of Metal. I don't even know if it'll get in. I don't know if people care enough to really think about that, but I think it utilized sound in a cool way. So we'll see. But... Now to adapt it, I think this is one that has some more competition, I think. Like, I don't really know who's going to pull it out here. So the six that they nominated for Adapted Screenplay were A News of the World, um, The Father, One Night in Miami, First Cow Gets In, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and Nomadland. So if we're going to play what we did last round there, which of the ones I think would get bumped, I think it's First Cow. Yeah, that's. I think that's a good call. Um, that or the father. I don't know why. I mean, I haven't seen the father. That's just me, <laughs> just guessing. Um, I'm interested to see 
what happens with Judas and the Black Messiah as well, because I don't know if that's going to be best adapted or original, like if they base it off of anything or they're just taking it as a historical event. So I don't know if it's original or adapted. But um, so I'm interested to see. My gut says that would be adapted. So I wonder if that would factor in here at all. But um, yeah, I think First Cow might be the one that would be gone here, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, for me, uh, the winner, if I had to pick who I think will win on Oscar night out of these, I think One Night Miami. I don't know why, but I just have a feeling it's a dialogue driven movie, right? It's just all really talking, very philosophical. I think that's the one that wins on Oscar night with Nomadland. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised that it keeps getting in everywhere for screenplay. I think it does have a nice screenplay, but I, I felt it would kind of, as you said, with uh, our last category there with uh, never rarely, sometimes always, I thought it was a little too naturalistic as well to get in and be kind of a, uh, a, a kind of a front runner for the screenplay category, but we'll see what happens. If that movie is kind of embraced massively, it could win, but for me, I think One Night in Miami is the front runner for adapted screenplay. Yeah, the yeah the the Nomadland screenplay. It's very subtle, which kind of we said before. Normally, it doesn't fly very well with uh, awards body. But it is cool to see it. I think um, that make that gives my heart a little bit of joy there. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's Ken Powers for One Night in Miami. I think you're you're so right because it's very dialogue heavy. It's about a lot of different ideas, and I think it kind of dives into all of those very very well so um i think you're right there mm-hmm. um so yeah we'll move down now to some of the technical categories we can uh, breeze over these a little bit cinematography uh first cow mank minari nomadland to five bloods tenet and news of the world i was so happy to see the five bloods here um i think that i don't know if you remember it's been a while since we watched the film but it always changes like the cameras always change throughout the film just to kind of I, th- I think there's four different cameras used throughout the film you have the IMAX even for some of the scenes it goes back to the older camera for some of that throwback footage for the 60s and 70s with the Vietnam War I love that choice I think it was so unique um into five bloods so I'm happy it landed here but I'm I'm thinking Nomadland is probably the Oscar winner yeah I think so um Maybe outside shot for Mank. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I still think Mank, the destiny for that one is the Irishman where it gets like 12 nominations and wins maybe one of them somewhere. But I think that's number two. Um, and I think people were too confused by Tenet to give it actually give it an award <laughs> is my guess. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. It's Nomadland here. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Minari's probably beautiful as well. From the trailer, it looks like a very gorgeous film. But I, it's great. I just don't think it's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. It so we're going to production, production design now. Um, the personal history of David Copperfield gets in. News of the World, Tenet, Mank, Emma, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I was pretty surprised to see Tenet get in here. I don't think that the, the production design is that unique. Um, I wasn't surprised for it to get in for cinematography. Uh, you have a very good cinematographer there, but for production design, it kind of shocked me. Uh, well, I guess they they do utilize a couple cool places for some of their um, from some of their big set pieces, so I could see it. But um, yeah, it, it is kind of surprising to see it. But um, I like Emma see, seeing mm-hmm. Emma there because I just that movie just looks really great. I'm really happy to see that one there. But I, I don't wonder. I wonder who's the lead here. Is it Mank? I think Manx the Oscar winner. I do. I think that just what they were able to recreate with that film, and I heard a lot of it's VFX, um, and that's why it's doing so well with VFX. 
because apparently a lot of its sets are green screen and, and special effects and visual effects. Uh, but I do think voters, when they watch the film, won't quite notice that fully unless it's really shoving in their face by Netflix and by the campaigners. But I think Manx probably the front runner with production design. Um, I don't really know if there's any other film that could kind of take it down. I think if it does only end up with one win, I bet it's production design. Yeah, that's my guess. I think this is the one time it wins. <laughs> Sorry, Fincher. Yeah. Um, so now with editing, uh, Trial of Chicago 7, Mank, Tenet, The Father, Sound of Metal, and Nomadland. Um, that's six. I don't know who I'd bump off at the Oscars. I think you'd bump off Tenet. I don't know why. I just think that's the movie you'd probably bump off out of the six. I think uh, Jennifer Lame is a great uh, editor, and I think the movie is put together very well, especially – Maybe it'll um, attract some voters just because of a lot of the backward stuff and a lot of the stuff in reverse. But I just don't know if Oscar voters will go for this movie. Uh, I'm very happy to see The Father, though. When you watch it, you'll know. I think the editing is is very good in that film, and everything's really put together nicely. Yeah. um, I think I might lean with you as well here with Tenet. Um, Although I do think a lot of the action scenes are, like, pretty immaculately edited. So it's like... like the fact that you can understand what's happening at all in that movie is really impressive because there's so much shit flying around, you know? So um, it's cool to see Jennifer Lamb at least get some recognition for Critics' Choice. But, um, yeah, I think she's the one to go here. Mm-hmm. Or Sound of Metal. I think the movie isn't super flashy, so I think that could fall off as well. Yeah, that's the, that was the other one I was thinking of. Uh, so, yeah, those are our editing. So costume design, Emma's here, which is great. Mulan, uh, The Personal History, David Copperfield, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Promising Young Woman, and Mank. I think uh, Emma's probably our frontrunner here, and rightfully so. Yeah, it's always, I feel like the winner is always period piece with a lot of really frilly and cool looking dresses. <laughs> I feel like that's always the winner in costume design because it's, they never really know how to like legislate like movies that take place in the present so immediately that it's like that's like sia to promising young woman um because i feel like they they kind of it's it's the same thing in that with acting where they see like the most costume design is the best costume design not to say that's there's not great work in all these movies because there definitely is by all those craftspeople um but it always just goes towards like the most flashy dresses and all that stuff yeah and the dresses were beautiful i think the colors in emma are beautiful a lot yeah of that it's really great yeah it's yeah. really great work in that movie I, I do think the costumes were great it would be deserving if it does win i always do like to see contemporary films get recognized uh in costume design not not they usually don't win but just to get nominated i always find that kind of cool and even go back at the oscars the last few years they strayed away from kind of the traditional when they gave it to black panther in 2018 um but kind of sandwiched around that you had Paul Thomas Anderson's um, Phantom Daniel D- yeah Phantom Thread yeah, yeah. and uh, and then you had the favorite or sorry not the favorite you had um, Little Women so that was kind of what we had the last few years with Black Panther so I expect Emma to win this thing I think if somehow Mank kind of soars again and starts winning a ton of things it could win here uh, but it's it's probably Emma yeah I see Mank as the number two in a lot of different stuff. So I think it's just a matter of, I mean, we have seen it pop up a lot, so maybe we might have to reconsider our one Oscar win with 12 nominations idea <laughs> at some point if it keeps, if this train keeps rolling. But yeah, I see it as like the, 
second or third choice in a lot of different categories because no one's particularly crazy about it, but they can admire a lot of the craft in it. Yeah, and Mank is one for sure, as you as you say. I think thinking about Mank, uh, we see it get all these nominations, so we should be like, oh yeah, this thing's gonna do great. But it just has that vibe. I don't know. It just has that vibe that it's just not gonna pick up a lot of wins. But we'll wait till the first award show. I think the Globes are in two weeks. Oh God, they're in two weeks. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> um, if Mank starts rolling there, we'll keep our eyes on it. And maybe we'll change our. Maybe we'll change our thoughts here. But hair and makeup, we got Emma, Hillbilly Elegy, we got My Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, Promising Young Woman, and United States versus Billie Holiday. This is another one that Mank could potentially win. Yeah. Like you said, I think it might be Hillbilly Elegy, which is unfortunate. Uh, But I'm hoping for Emma. That'd be lovely. I would love to see more things go to Emma. But um, yeah, I don't know. Which one would you get rid of here? Is this... Do you see the five nominations in this one? Uh, yeah, I think I'd probably... If... Um, I haven't seen Promising Young Woman, so I just don't know. I just don't know where I'd go there. I think with United States versus Billie Holiday, it's similar to Hillbilly, because the main character wore or, or put something in her mouth or something for a lot of the film. Uh, I'm not 100% familiar with what she did, but she did a little bit with her face. So I think that gets kind of the hillbilly treatment where it's like for this one character and that's kind of the driving force. So I don't know, but I sight unseen, I'd say promising young woman, but I think we have to see how much love that gets overall. Yeah. Cause it's, it's really interesting. Cause that movie is very, has like a really interesting cotton candy um, kind of aesthetic to it. it. There's like a lot of like crazy highlights of like popping lipstick and like hair and things like that. So I think it's definitely it's a cool choice if they would do it, but I am interested to see how that is looked upon when you have, I feel like a lot more classic hair and makeup choices around it. Mm-hmm. Most certainly, yeah, we'll see. I think I looked at the guilds for a lot of these. I look at the hair and makeup guild to see who who wins there, and that'll help me with my decision. That's not till March, I believe, though. So we'll go to best visual effects. Greyhound gets in, so there's an Apple TV Plus nomination. <laughs> um, <laughs> The Invisible Man, Mank, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, Tenet, and Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, not really too many surprises here. I was happy to see The Invisible Man um, get in and get some recognition. Uh, front runner here, probably Tenet, I think. Who I'd knock off? Well, I guess we, we've both seen the... Uh, we'll talk about this after. We've both seen the shortlist. So we knock off Invisible Man and Greyhound and Wonder Woman, I believe. I think all three of those didn't make the shortlist. So yeah, it's kind of uh, this one's kind of a, a messy category. Yeah, it's a little weird. I feel like the the Academy always the winner is always which movie sounds the least ridiculous. So it was like First Man won when it was like up against like the Avengers movies and all that stuff. So in that case, it seems like uh, Mank and Tenet sound not crazy when you read them on a piece of paper. So my bet is that the Academy likes those. Um, but wasn't there another thing with Nolan who was like, yeah, I made, I shot most of this movie in camera. There was like less of effect shots than like a rom-com or something like that. Wasn't yeah. that what he, isn't that what he said? Yeah. And I don't so. know if the voters will know that. I don't know if they'll know. Apparently he only had, I don't know what the norm is. I have no idea, but apparently there were 200 visual effect shots around there. And you compare that to, I believe, Dark Knight Rises had, I think, nearly 700. I think Interstellar had, like, 600 or something. So, like, 
it's way down from as usual, but I don't know what that, I don't know what the scale is. Like, I don't know what's yeah. the most ever. Like, I'd love to see what the Avengers maybe had. Thousands, maybe, who knows? I think, I think Endgame had like 3,000 or something like that. Okay. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so, I mean, it's very impressive what Nolan did, I think, with this movie um, in terms of visual effects. But we'll see what happens. I think that might play into it. Uh, so, we'll go down, I think, the best comedy category. It's a little better than our Golden Globes one. We have Borat, The 40 Year Old Version, King of Staten Island, On the Rocks, Palm Springs, and The Prom. That's a really solid list. No, uh, no music and no, uh, I was about to say no, the prom, but yeah, it's there. <laughs> they had to throw in a musical, uh, but no music. That's, that's the important part. Yeah. Um, I'm cool. It's really cool to see the 40 year old version here, which is a great movie, uh, that we haven't seen basically at all in this awards race. Uh, so it was, I think that's really cool to see that movie here, but, uh, I don't know the King of Staten Island. I don't think was particularly funny. That movie was kind of a bummer. With like a few, like Bill Burr was occasionally funny. So that's a little weird. But uh, but yeah, this is definitely a little better than uh, music. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, most certainly. And it's it's, music's one that we're we're happy enough to see here. Uh, So then we go to foreign language film. They do it similar to the Globes. Minari's here as well, but I guess it's not as restricted as we saw. Got 10 nominations overall. So another round, collective. La Llorona, The Life Ahead, Minari, and then Two of Us. So that's our list there. They might go another round here, just because Minari got a lot of love elsewhere. I'm not too sure. Um, but the Academy Awards are obviously going to be different because Minari's not going to be there um, at the Oscars. Um, but yeah, it's it's. in your opinion, is this a strong list? Have you seen a lot of these movies? Um, yeah, I've seen a decent amount of these. Which ones? I The only ones I haven't seen at all. Life of the life of life ahead and collective. Um, I hear collective is terrific, uh, but um, two of them are really interesting. Um, that I would encourage everyone to check out. It's really interesting. And another round is just unbelievable. Just that I can't get over that ending. It's so terrific. Uh, La Llorona is also really really good. I saw that at Sundance. Um, yeah, out of all these movies, I think they're really good. Um, but um, yeah, it's I think it's a cool list. It's. I feel like I'm still, I have a little bit of PTSD last year from No Portrait of Lady on Fire, but um, I'm happy about this list. It looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, so we'll go down now to best song. I don't know too many of these, but there's a song called Everybody Cries from The Outpost. The Outpost, I don't know if you've seen it, but I liked it. I thought it was a fine movie. I thought it was pretty enjoyable. Um, really went under the radar. Uh, Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah. Seems like it's picking up uh, some steam. My Hometown from Eurovision gets in. Um, there's a song here from The Life Ahead, uh, Speak Now from One Night Miami, and then uh, a song from The United States versus Billie Holiday. And a couple of these didn't make the Oscar shortlist, so I just really, I think we can gloss over that because I don't really know what's uh, what's super strong here. I do think Speak Now from One Night Miami and Fight for You from Judas are probably really strong. Your vision could be a dark horse. Yeah, it seems like Speak Now is the is the front runner at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no real, I mean, a lot of times animated films put out an original song that kind of gains traction, but they didn't really have one of those in, in Seoul. Um, so best score, really what we've been seeing a lot everywhere. Midnight Sky, Tenet, News of the World, Minari, Mank, and Soul. I'm hearing a lot of people are sleeping on that Minari score. Like Soul's kind of running the table, winning a ton of awards. I'm hearing that the Minari score is a little bit underappreciated. It's 
really, really good. And it's from Emil Mosseri, who did um, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is also an unbelievable score. It's like one of the best scores of the last 10 years. So, uh, Bandar, it's really good. Uh, I think it's really cool to see uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross twice. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is that they win for one of those. I don't know which. Probably I would lean maybe soul i don't know uh maybe that's my that's my favorite of the two but my guess is that that one of their scores wins Mm -hmm. yeah i'm digging uh both of those scores i think soul wins just because it's been winning everywhere uh but mank's score is really good i've listened to it a bunch i've listened to both a bunch i think soul's great too because with soul they blended two scores they kind of had the kind of the kind of the soul world and then they had like the back in New York, and they kind of had two scores that kind of blended. Um, so I found that to be very unique. Then obviously you had a lot of the jazz aspect of the score, uh, and that's why I think Jean-Baptiste is in here. But Meg's scores is very good as well. I do enjoy that. There's a lot of tracks on there that are very good. But yeah, so that's our Critics' Choice nominations. A ton of movies getting a ton of recognition everywhere. I think the Critics' Choice like to do that. They like to recognize everything they can, and we appreciate that. But Mank got 12, which is the most, and then Minari at 10. Those are the two double-digit categories um and then one thing that kind of caught my eye before we jump to the oscar shortlist but this year's the first year of the super critic choice super awards or something like that where they're kind of just going category by category there's also some tv included there but it caught my eye because i didn't see animated film and soul actually won at the supers in january so it already won the award it was just kind of weird um i don't really have too much to say about it but it's just something to note yeah it's a little weird since since every other body has animated movies uh, included in there but um whatever i guess critics choice do your thing <laughs> yeah most certainly it's, it's, just, it's just odd i think it is odd um but yeah we'll move to the um oscar shortlist because i do think there's a lot in there that is interesting so the oscars they don't do it like the baftas they don't do a shortlist for every category i think that'd be cool though um but they do uh do shortlists for a lot of their technical categories and stuff like that so we're going to start with the documentary feature category. Um, so they have 15 here. So all in the fight for democracy, boy state collective crip camp. Uh, Dick Johnson is dead. Gunda MLK FBI, the mole agent, the octopus teacher, um, Naturno, the painter and the thief, 76 days time, the truffle hunters and welcome to Chechnya. So that's your 15. I don't think I've seen a single one. Sadly, I just haven't, had much haven't made too much time for documentaries this year but my octopus teacher i see it on my netflix a lot and i really want to watch it i watched the trailer it was really cool um and then i think you've seen boy state i thought that was one we spoke about over the summer uh and crip camp is is one from obama's company isn't it yeah that's maybe a nomination too because i feel like there's been um a big kind of swell for that one but um i've seen a lot of these actually um Going down the list, I've seen Boys State, Crip Camp, Dick Johnson, MLK, FBI, um, The Painter and the Thief, 76 Days, Time, and uh, Welcome to Chechnya. So I like all of those to varying degrees. I think they're cool picks. But um, my guess is we'll get to the VFX later, but my guess is that we're see- we're going to see a nomination for Welcome to Chechnya because it's also in VFX, mm-hmm. uh, which very I think cool. is really, really cool. It's very cool because that movie is basically it's, it's following – 
these this group of people that are getting um people uh gay people out of chechnya because they're basically getting taken by the government and killed it's one of those harrowing stories you'll watch in film from this past year but basically what they're doing is and in allowing them to tell their stories they're they're digitally changing their faces so it's basically like a deep fake um technology throughout the entire movie so you see all these people emote and like react to each other but it's just not their faces so it's really cool it's a really cool design and i think it's going to be something that a lot of these harrowing true life stories adopt so that they can like tell these crazy stories without kind of uh, showing the identities of all the people that are in like danger so i think that's a really cool pick Mm -hmm. yeah and i think you're right the fact that it also got into the visual effects shortlist and it's here that might be enough to elevate it into here. So I, I predict that'll get in. I don't know too much about these. So, I mean, you've probably seen more than me. So I'd like for you to say your five that you think are going to squeeze in here. Um, definitely Boy State. Crip Camp is another one. I think that's getting a lot of love. Um, so And then Welcome to Chechnya, because for the reasons we discussed, that's three. Um, I think MLK FBI it will get in there too. Cause that's a really interesting story. And I think that movie has been getting a lot of love other, other places. So that's four. Uh, hmm. I don't know if people there. I feel like Dick Johnson is dead. It might be a little weird for a few people. Um, hmm. I'm going to get the last one, the time. Cause I think that's a big one through Amazon studios. It's also been getting quite a bit of love. Um, and that's also it made one of it was one of my favorite movies of the year. That movie is really terrific. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think that's the fifth one. Yeah, and uh, one thing that I always try to look for is what is going to be this year's um, uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor?" Because I think that two or three years ago was like probably the most talked about documentary all year. Won a lot elsewhere. Didn't make the Oscar nominations. Same with Apollo Eleven. I, if I remember correctly, that didn't get in either last year to the Oscar nominations. Um, I may be completely wrong on this, but I really don't think it got in. And that was a movie that was like probably the most popular documentary of last year. American Factory was very popular as well. But I think Apollo 11 was probably the most popular. Like it just seemed like the most talked about. It won at a lot of other places. So, I mean, I look at this year, I think Dick Johnson is Dead is probably our most popular documentary. I feel like it's the most talked about. Maybe it's the one that just doesn't get in this year. As you said, it's a little weird. Yeah, I think I think it's great. And maybe saying it's weird is a little is a little flippant of me, but um it's just very it's it's a quirky movie. Um which I think it uses that to great effect because it's talking about uh life and death and it's uh, Kirsten Johnson uh who um directed Camera Person, which is another great documentary, but it's basically her dad is dying he has alzheimer's but he's slowly losing his memory so it's trying to like capture a moment between both of them and also she just she gets to fake kill him through stunt killings which is really really funny they have like a hollywood stunts team (laughs) they just kill him over and over again so i think it's 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 eccentric i don't know if that flies with certain people um so i think yeah i think you're right i think that's the big one that gets left out Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it would make sense. Um, so we'll move away from that category there. And I'm just going to skip over documentary short subject there because I, I don't know if you've seen any of these. I haven't. Um, international feature film, I think that there's a little bit to talk about here. Uh, so I'll go through them here. Um, we have one from Bosnia. There's a, there's a film called The Mole Agent from Chile. Um, the Charlatan from Czech Republic. Another round from Denmark. Two of Us from France. 
uh, La Llorona from Guatemala. I thought that was a Mexican film, uh, but I, it's from Guatemala. Uh, Better Days from Hong Kong. Um, Sun Children from Iran. Night of the Kings from Ivory Coast. I'm No Longer Here from Mexico. Hope from Norway. Collective from Romania. Dear Comrades from Russia. A Son from Taiwan. And then from Tunisia, um, The Man Who Sold His Skin. Uh, how many of these have you seen? And could you make any guesses on the five here? Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, we have collective showing up here, so I'm wondering if that pops in as well. <laughs> I'm rethinking all of my documentary picks, but um, I have not seen collective, but I really want to. Um, I've seen another round, two of us, La Llorona, Night of the Kings. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, I think all of those have a good show. I think another round, I think, is the front runner here, as we discussed earlier. I think two of us is another lock. La Llorona has been popping up everywhere else, too. So my guess is that gets in. Um, I'm not sure about Night of the Kings, which I think is a really interesting movie. But and it's, it's through Neon. So I think there could be traction to get that one um, some love. But I'm not sure there. Um, so my guess, my guesses are probably another round, two of us, La Llorona. And then I think Collective gets in there as well. And then Dear Comrades is one I've had my eye on for a little bit because that's also produced through Neon. And that seems like that's getting a lot of uh, critics love. And that just released, I think, a week or so ago. So that's my guess. I think those are your five. And now mm. I'm thinking that I need to go back and put collective and documentary. But it's fine. <laughs> that won't bother me for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, those are uh, international feature uh, films. Um and make sure to never sleep on collective. Uh, but so we'll, go, we'll go to the makeup and hairstyling here. And I think the first one on the list, Birds of Prey, is an interesting one. I mean, Suicide Squad won this award four years ago. So how could you not nominate a movie that is better? I mean, maybe there's more hair and makeup done in Suicide Squad, but Birds of Prey is a better movie. Uh, so I'm glad that it made the short list. You also had Emma, you had The Glorious, which I'm not too familiar with. Hillbilly uh, Elegy gets in here. Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. I'm not too familiar with this. I think it's a Netflix movie. I looked it up after reading the shortlist. I was pretty shocked to see it here. Um, but it is well-received. Uh, the Little Things gets on here. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mank, One Night Miami. Interesting. And then Pinocchio. So that's the shortlist for hair and makeup. Have you seen the Pinocchio footage? Have you seen that movie or have you seen any footage from it? Because it is really uh, freaky. Yeah, I've seen pictures and it looks terrifying. <laughs> but um, my guess is that it's one of those that does not make it. This is my guess because uh, I don't think anyone really cares, <laughs> sadly. Yeah, uh, it's re really funny to see the little things, the little things in here, too. I, just can't, <laughs> I can't get the image of Jared Leto's fake nose out of my head. So that's just really funny that that's in here. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think with the hair and makeup, the, the branch here, like so you have your um, you have the branch and then they're the ones that decide the five nominees for the whole academy to vote on. And I think they they view yeah it says here they view seven minutes of the film. I think that the the studio or the campaigners they pick the seven minutes that they're going to show to the branch. They get to watch it. They get to make their decisions. So I could see Pinocchio sneaking in just based off like wow that's kind of crazy that they did that. I don't think it'll win, but I could see it sneaking in just based off the photos I saw and just maybe if it wows that branch with its seven minute presentation. Um, weirdly enough, with Birds of Prey here. 
that movie could actually sneak into two categories and actually become multiple uh, Oscar-nominated Birds of Prey. We'll see. Uh, but I think, as we spoke about with the Critics' Choice, Emma's up there in this category. Hillbilly's up there. Manx up there. Um, but yeah, anything but the little things. Yeah, please, no. God, no. <laughs> um, so we'll move to musical score. Uh, so the 15 they have here, a lot of them are the ones we we would expect. So Ammonite gets in. Blizzard of Souls gets in. Defy Floods gets in. The Invisible Man was the one that everyone was shocked about. Um, great score for sure. Haunting score. I think it's a good horror film score. Um, so I'm happy to see it there, but that's very interesting for it to land on the 15 jingle jangle. A Christmas journey gets in, uh, the life ahead gets in the little things gets in Mank gets in, uh, midnight sky, Minari, Mulan, news of the world, soul tenant and trials. So, I mean, I think out of this, we can continue to kind of run with our five that we have been seeing kind of everywhere, with Tenet, Soul, Mank, and then you have Minari, Midnight Sky, and um, probably I think that's mostly it there. News of the World is the other one that's kind of competing there, but that's kind of what we're looking at for score. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say a little thing is the score. It's not the worst. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I don't I don't hate this pick. It's not the worst thing in the world, so that's it has one thing going for it. It's a positive. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there aren't really too many snubs so far, I think, Everything here is is pretty much expected. Uh, I'm going to go down now to the last one we'll touch on, which is the visual effects category, because I think that has, I think that's probably our most interesting category here, just based off of what they chose. So they um, went with ten movies, and they show the VFX branch, and then they determine uh, the nominees. So you have the ten here, some very interesting ones. Birds of Prey gets in. And that's interesting because Wonder Woman 1984 did not. And Warner Bros. was really pushing that over Birds of Prey with their FYC campaign. I saw a lot of people trolling Warner Bros. on Twitter. Uh, it's like, Birds of Prey, it's like, you forgot about us. <laughs> We're back. You can't, you can't get us out of your mind. Uh, so it gets onto two shortlists. And I think there's a real good shot for Birds of Prey to get into both um, of uh, hair and makeup and visual effects. So Birds of Prey is there. Bloodshot gets in. Uh Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Love and Monsters, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, Mank gets in. The Midnight Sky gets in. Mulan gets in. The One and Only Ivan gets in, uh, which is that Disney Plus talking animal movie with a bunch of famous actors. Uh, Soul gets in. Tenet gets in. And then, as we said, Welcome to Chechnya gets in. Oh, yeah, Soul. That's another interesting one. I think back in the day before uh, they really started not nominating animated movies across the board, like they... I mean, nowadays they don't really do that too much. Um, back in the day, a lot of animated movies did get visual effects nominations. I think Wally got a VFX nom, and I think a few others did as well. Uh, Pixar movies kind of in the early 2000s. But it's cool to see Soul on here, and I could, in a year like 2020, see Soul land in the five. Yeah, it's. I mean, all the, the usual contenders, you'd see all your Marvel movies and whatnot. They're just not here this year, obviously, because mm-hmm. they just didn't come out. Um I just I got a little bit of PTSD seeing Bloodshot on here because it's still the last movie I saw in theaters <laughs> back in March last year, so um, that was terrifying. And also the effects in that movie were not very good. No. So I just that kind of just tells you all you need to know about this list this year just isn't particularly strong because all the movies aren't here. <laughs> so I was I was hoping to see Invisible Man land in the air. I think it's a movie that utilized visual effects much better than some of these other movies. 
I agree. Uh, and if you see like the behind the scenes stuff where uh, Elizabeth Moth is just fighting with people in green suits, uh, it's really funny. But it's also done really well. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I think the soul pick is really cool. I'd like to see that get in here. I mean, obviously from the rest of the list here, I think it has a really good shot, but I would like to see that one here. I think that'd be really neat. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Invisible Man as well, such a small budget. They did so much with that small budget. I think it was like less than $8 million or something. And you look at a movie like Tenet, $200 million. Um, so it is it is a shame that it didn't land on that shortlist, but it did land into the score, surprisingly. So you take uh, what you can. I think out of these 10, I th- Bloodshot's the one you cut right away. Um, I was hoping Sonic would land here just because I feel bad for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would have been amazing. I think Bloodshot, you kick. The one and only Ivan, I th- I think you kick because if, if Disney's going to get one here, I think it's going to be Mulan. Um, the Midnight Sky seems like a lock. I think the locks are Tenet, Midnight Sky, and Mank. I just think Mank's kind of been sneaking in everywhere. And there's a lot of people making the argument that it was the VFX that kind of created all these sets and all this world. So it does get in. Midnight Sky is just kind of your big budget space movie that just kind of always gets in and tenet obviously is tenet it's just the big blockbuster of the year and without wonder woman uh this is the only other big blockbuster really so we throw those three in um i think welcome to chechnya could get in for sure i think it's very unique the way that vfx is utilized as you mentioned so it could get in um birds of prey could definitely get in soul could get in i don't think love and monsters is popular enough are you familiar with this movie that's the one where Dylan O'Brien is in the apocalypse, right? That's what okay. that one is? <laughs> That's what it was. I remember looking that up now. I looked it up, and it's the Paramount movie. Like It came out in November, I think, and I got like a million at the box office. That's it. And it didn't even really have much of an on-demand push. So yeah, that, that's not making it either. So we can cut this list down, I think, to um, probably Welcome to Chechnya, Tenet, Soul, Mulan, Midnight Sky, Mank, and Birds of Prey. I think we cut it down to that. Yeah. I'm wondering, I would love to see welcome and welcome to Chechnya in here, but I'm wondering if that's like, if that's still not going to happen. I'm really hoping for it. That'd be really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But my gut says it's tenant soul, uh, Mulan, midnight sky, Mank. Mm -hmm. That's my guess. That's my guess of the five. That's a solid five. I think, for me, I don't see Soul getting in personally. Um, I think it's just been too long since an animated movie got in. But if they go for that movie big time across the board, I think it will. I think we'll just have to wait to see how it does across the board. But I think that's a really, really good pick to make. I got Tenet, uh, Mank, um, Midnight Sky. I'm going to throw in Mulan just because I feel like those big blockbusters get in from Disney. And then I'll put Welcome to Chechnya. I think... If they do a good presentation, do it. I love it. <laughs> I think if they do a good presentation for the VFX branch, I think if they they really exemplify, like yeah, that like we utilize VFX in a way that uh, was very unique. I think it does get in, and I mean I could see Birds of Prey getting in as well. Say over Mulan for the, kind of your more blockbustery choice. Who knows? But uh, I think this was a very interesting uh, shortlist. Yeah, I mean, if you take anything away from this podcast, just go watch Welcome to Chechnya. It's a really good movie, and it's on HBO Max, I believe. But um, God, I hope that gets in there. But yeah, this is a this is a weird one. I think out of all of the the COVID impacts on the awards race, I feel like the visual effects category is the one that's most like changed by it. Hundred percent. I mean, 
if, if last year kind of played out as it would, you'd probably see Black Widow compete. I think Eternals might be like your front runner ish. I think it'd be like the blockbuster front runner. Uh, and then Wonder Woman kind of did kind of flop there because it didn't get into the shortlist, but it still came out. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what else. I think maybe Jungle Cruise maybe could be in the conversation to get nominated just because it's a big Disney production. But yeah, a lot of those big movies just moving. Uh, maybe even Kong v. Godzilla. I, like the last Godzilla didn't get in, but Kong did. And the first Godzilla got in. So I mean, that's one that you, they could consider. But you're right. The visual effects category definitely took the hit the most. And I, I think it is, uh, like, in a way, it's it's bittersweet. But I like seeing some of these movies that wouldn't usually land in there. Welcome to Chechnya and Seoul get into the shortlist. I think it's cool. And I think it's just for in general what you mentioned at the top of this, I would just, I really want to see these shortlists in all the categories. I just think that's neat. And yeah. especially in a, in a year like this, it gives everyone the opportunity to actually watch a lot of these movies. Cause I feel like the whole thing with the Academy for the past few years, has just been like, Hey, like no one's watching our award ceremony. And we're a little nervous about that. And for the future of the Academy and like how much money we can make, uh, I think one of the best ways to do that would just be to be like, Hey, here's all the movies we're, we're considering. So people can actually <laughs> go out and check them out. Um, Great idea. So I think I think it's just cool to look at all this stuff. I don't know about you. Yeah, and I mean they do it for these a lot of these below the line categories, but the BAFTA does it for every single category. I think the Academy should adopt that and should release short lists, or as the BAFTAs call it, long lists. Um, but they should definitely do that. I think you're right. I think it would bring in kind of a, a new a newfound energy. I think it, it would it would allow me to kind of show people, you know, this is what's this is what's in the race. Let's watch it. Let's kind of pick a team. Let's kind of see what see what they have to offer and see what we can tune in for and, and kind of root for it would also make nominations day probably a little bit more hyped up as well you're right i think that's a great idea so that's pretty much it for this episode um of the road to the oscars from movie babble uh so what's next we're not going to be back for a while so we're not going to be back until the globes uh because there isn't really much going on for the next few weeks awards wise so the next time we speak to each other will be uh golden globe awards reactions so i can't wait for that <laughs> mm, i'm not looking forward to it <laughs> <laughs> it'll be interesting <laughs> i don't know i like brace for impact for sure because it's a weird year and it could get weirder with the globes but uh i mean that's that so we will be back in about two weeks thanks again nick for coming on it's uh, always a pleasure to host and uh, we'll be back with more things obviously awards check out all our content on moviebevel.com <laughs>